From the in-town Jewish Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Rabbi Ari Solish, and this is Knowledge on the Deeper Side. In this podcast, we discuss the most inspiring and stimulating Jewish ideas, ideas that challenge the way you think and feel. To sponsor a class or episode, please visit intownjewishacademy.org slash sponsor. And now, on to the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. Unbelievable, July 1st. And we are going to finish up the Torah portion of Korach. Korach has a lot of drama. And in this reading, we kind of wrap up the story and, uh, and then go into other laws. Other laws. What's interesting, as we'll see today, is that it talks about the role of the Levites and the role, not the role necessarily of the priest, but the gifts that the people were obligated to give to the Kohanim, to the priests, and the gifts that the people were obligated to give to the Levites, and the gifts that the Levites had to give to the priests, etc. But what's interesting is at the end of the, and just, I just want to frame this even before we start, is that the end of the parsha kind of re-emphasizes and re-establishes the very hierarchy or the very um, divisions that Korach was trying to undo. Korach was like, everyone's holy, we don't need this institution of Kohanim, Levim, leaders, whatever, and obviously that was not correct. And at the end of the parshas, we'll see today, the Torah emphasizes these are the roles of the Levites, these are the gifts given to the Kohen, gifts to the Levites, like everyone's got their role, you give them, they do this, everyone's not, it's not one big challenge, everyone has their own space. All right, so with that in mind, let us jump in to the reading. All right, Torah reading for Korach, reading numbers, oh, let me go back to six, reading six. This is Numbers chapter 17, verse 25. We finish up the story from yesterday. Let's start. The Lord said to Moses, Hashem said to Moshe, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony as a keepsake and as a sign for rebellious ones. As you recall, yesterday we read how um, God told each of the 12 tribes to have a representative bring a stick on behalf of the tribe and carve their name into the stick. And Aaron should do so on behalf of the tribe of Levi. And then he put a stick amongst the others. The next morning, the rest of them were sticks still. And his blossomed, budded, and produced ripe almonds. And now at this point, God says to Moses, and, and that was a proof that Aaron was the leader chosen by Hashem. Now God says to Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony, that means in, in before the ark, as a keepsake and a sign for rebellious ones. In case anybody ever wants to claim that the institution of the kahuna, of the, of the priesthood, is, is illegitimate, let, let them remember the staff and the story of Korach. Then their complaints against me will end and they will not die. In other words, if you can preempt the complaints, then it won't end in disaster like it did here. Moses did so. He did just as the Lord had commanded him. The children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, Behold, we are dying. We will perish. We are all lost. At this point, the people are panicking that it looks like everyone's dying willy-nilly. Whoever comes closest to the Mishkan of the Lord dies. Have we been consigned to die? What's interesting is that we don't find a response to this. The people are just like, we're all doomed. We're all, we're all dead. We're all goners because... You know, everyone's dying, everyone who gets close, everyone who, who gets, gets near, 
ends up dying. Nadav and Aviu, the 250 people that brought the Ketores, Korach who got too close, everyone's dying, etc. Again, we don't find a, a, a response. Let's, uh, let's t- take a look at Rashi. Whoever comes the closest, we cannot be careful of that. We are all permitted to enter the courtyard of the tent of meeting, but one who goes closer than his fellow and proceeds into the tent of meeting will die. So they were saying on a very literal level that one who goes from, remember, the Mishkan courtyard, if someone goes into the building and, and they're not a Kohen or they're not appropriate to go in, then they're going to die. This is, uh, this is too, too risky, too dangerous. Have we been consigned to die? Have we been abandoned for death? In other words, is that our fate, that we're all going to die because we're going to make these mistakes? So that leads directly into the next commandment, which is the role of the priests guarding the Mishkan to make sure that no one goes in that shouldn't go in. So let's take a look at the next reading. It's not next reading, but the next uh, section. Numbers chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord said to Aaron, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, you, your sons, and your father's house shall bear the iniquity associated with the sanctuary. And you and your son shall bear the iniquity associated with your kuhuna. Okay? Bear the iniquity. What does that mean? What kind of iniquity? Okay, we'll, we'll see Rashi. Also your brethren, the tribe of Levi, your father's tribe, draw close to you. Draw the, draw the Levites close to you. And they shall join you and minister to you. And you and your sons with you before the tent of testimony. The Levites will also be brought in on all of this service. They shall keep your charge and the charge of the tent. Levites shall, and they shall not approach the holy vessels or the altar so that neither they nor you will die. In other words, the Levites and the people really um, are not to go into the Mishkan, into the, well, into the Ohamod, into the tent, to the place of the sacred uh, vessels. They shall join you and they shall keep the charge of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent and no outsider shall come near you. They shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar so that there be no more wrath against the children of Israel. In other words, getting too close is what's causing a lot of this fallout. No one shall get too close. And you guys, you, the Kohanim and the Levites, they, the Levites, shall be in charge of making sure no one else gets too close. I have therefore taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are given to you as a gift and given over to the Lord to perform the service in the tent of meeting. And you and your son shall keep your kahuna in all matters concerning the altar and concerning what is within the dividing screen and you shall serve. In other words, anything inside the mishkan, the altar, etc. is yours for the priesthood. The service as a gift I have given your kahuna and any outsider, non-Kohen who approaches shall die. No non-Kohen is allowed to perform the service or go into the mishkan building. The Lord told Aaron, you know, let's pause here for a moment. Let's pause here. Now we get into the priestly gifts. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. But let's do Rashi's Rashi on the first seven verses. The first seven verses um, constitute the, the mitzvah to ensure that the Mishkan is protected and that no outsider makes a mistake of going there when they shouldn't. So let's do Rashi's on this. God did not say this directly to Aaron, but he said this to Moses to say to Aaron and caution him regarding regulations for the benefit of the Israelites, that they should not enter the sanctuary. The people were freaking out right here. Whoever comes close to the Mishkan will die. Hashem listened, and then Hashem said, okay, good. So now we need people in charge to make sure that that doesn't happen, that people don't get too close. Um, yeah, you shall bear the iniquity associated with the sanctuary. I impose upon you the punishment of the outsiders who sin regarding the sacred objects entrusted to you, the tent, 
the ark, the table, and the sacred vessels. You shall sit and warn any unauthorized person who attempts to touch the sacred objects. So if you see someone about to touch them, it's your job to warn them not to touch them. Otherwise, that sin is also going to be tied to you because you should have warned them. Um, shall bear the sin associated with your kuna, the Levites, for it is not given over to the Levites. The Levites don't do the priestly service. That's only the priests. You shall warn the Levites who might inadvertently err that they may not touch you during your performance of the service. So when you do the service, no Levite is allowed to touch you. Also your brethren, the sons of Gershon and Merari, they shall join you. They shall join you to warn any outsiders not to approach them. They shall minister to you by watching the gates and serving as treasurers and supervisors. No outsider shall approach you. You, I'm cautioning about this. No more wrath, right, as there had been previously, as it says, for wrath has gone forth. The Levites are given to you, Aaron, as a gift. I might think that they are given to you for your mundane work. Therefore, it says to the Lord, as explained above, to be responsible for the post of treasurers and administrators, in other words, holy service of the Mishkan. The service is a gift I have given it to you as a gift. All right, that takes us to, to verse 8. Just a few Rashis. Let's go into, into verse 8. Now we get into the priestly gifts. The Lord told Aaron, Behold, I, am given you, I have given you the charge of my gift offerings. I have thus given you all the holy things of the children of Israel for distinction as an eternal portion for your sons. In other words, you will get some of the sacrifices. You will have a portion from the sacrifices, not all, but some of the sacrifices brought by the people, you get to eat and enjoy some of them. These shall be yours from the, holy, from the holiest of holies, from the fire. Right? All their offerings, their meal offerings, their sin offerings, their guilt offerings, and what they return to me, they shall be holy of holies to you and to your sons. So you're allowed to have portions of those offerings, and they are holy only allowed to be eaten by you and your sons, by Kohanim, by priests, in that, the holy space, etc. You shall, as it says right here, you shall eat it in the holiest of places. Any male may eat of it, it shall be holy to you. Now this shall be yours, what is, a set, what is set aside for their gifts from all the wavings of the children of Israel. I've given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as an eternal portion. Any ritually clean member of your household may eat it. Here we go. In other words, these are additional gifts. In addition to the offerings, to the sacrifices brought by the people that the Kohanim get a portion of, these are additional gifts that were given to the priest. The choice of the oil and the choice of the wine and the grain, the first of which they give to the Lord, to you I have given them. In other words, there's a mitzvah to bring, there's a mitzvah to give bikurim. Bikurim are the first fruits or the first of the wine, the first of the grain, the first of the oil. So these are elements that need to be given to God, but God says, when it's given to me, it's really given to you. right? What they give to the Lord, to you I've given them. It's really going to be a priestly gift. Okay? So what, and what, what is included in that? The oil, the wine, and the grain. The first fruit of all that grows in their land, Bikurim, which they shall bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Belong to the Kohanim. Any ritually clean member of your household may eat of it. Any devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Anything designated to the Mishkan, to the temple, etc., without being specified, it has an association with the Kohanim, with the priests. Every first issue of the womb of any creature, 
which they present to the Lord, whether of man or beast, shall be yours. The Torah has already told us that the firstborn animal should be given as a gift to Hashem. But what happens to it? What does God do with it? It goes to the Kohen. However, you shall redeem the firstborn of man. Don't give your child, right? And the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. Don't give a donkey. The Kohanim can't eat a donkey. So firstborn kosher animals and firstborn, uh, yeah, are given to Hashem slash the Kohen. The firstborn humans and the firstborn animals, the money is given. Its redemption shall be performed from the age of one of a, a month, one month, 30 days, according to the valuation, five shekels of silver according to the holy shekel, which is 20 geras. Five shekels. To this day, when someone has a firstborn Israelite child, it is, they, they redeem it by giving five silver coins to the Kohen. Today it's usually five silver dollars or maybe half dollars, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, Maybe five dollars, silver dollars, not half. Yeah, dollars to the Kohen. However, firstborn ox or firstborn sheep or firstborn goat shall not be redeemed. They're the kosher animals. They're holy. Their blood shall be sprinkled on the altar. Their fat shall be burned as a fire offering, as a pleasing fragrance to the Lord. And the flesh shall be yours. So it's brought as an offering to God, but then the meat is eaten by the Kohanim. Like the breast of the waving and the right thigh, it shall be yours. Like other offerings in which the Kohanim have a portion to eat, these Bikurim, these, or the, sorry, the Bechar, the firstborn animals, the kosher animals, are eaten by the Kohen. All the gifts of the holy offerings which are set aside by the children of Israel for the Lord I have given to you and to your sons and your daughters with you as an eternal portion. So again, all of the holy offerings, the gifts of the holy offerings um, that go to God, really end up, unless they're burned on the altar, the rest of it is eaten by the Kohanim, by the priests, the, the fathers, the family, the sons, the daughters, etc. It is like an eternal covenant of salt before the Lord for you and your descendants with you. In other words, it is a, an eternal covenant, an eternal decree that this is what happens. The Kohen is given these gifts. The Lord said to Aaron, you shall not inherit in their land. You shall have no portion among them. I am your inheritance, a portion among the children of Israel. This is um, a very important thing, basically, where God says to Aaron, you are not going to have a portion in the land. You are not going to inherit the land. You're not going to have a day job. I am your portion. I am your inheritance. I am your day job. And thus, and thus, and thus, you are getting these gifts because you don't have other sources of income, you don't have other sources of, you're not living off the land, you don't have a land, you don't have farms, so therefore you are provided for by the people through their firstborn animals, through their first grains and first fruits, through the gifts that come that accompany the offerings, that is how you are supported. Basically supported by the community. Those that, that are entrusted with communal service, the Kohanim, are thus provided for by the very community that they serve, i.e. the people provide for the priests. And again, as I told you all the way at the beginning, as I mentioned at the beginning, at the top of our discussion, this is the perfect antidote to Korach's descent in this week's Torah portion. When I say antidote. It's the perfect foil for his claim, right? <coughs> Korach was claiming the whole time, everyone's holy. You don't need a Moses. You don't need an Aaron. You don't need an institution of priesthood. Well, it's not what God thought. God actually wants a, a, a distinction. God wants diversity, as we discussed Wednesday night in the Torah studies class. God loves diversity. God wants 
Yisraelim, Levim, Kohanim, Israelites, Levites, and priests. And everyone has their own role. Now everyone can help each other. Everyone complements each other. But everyone has their own role. And thus a Kohen serves in the Mishkan, serves God, ministers on behalf of the people. And then the people give and help support the Kohanim. It's the way it works. So yes, they work for the priest works for the people, and the people give to the Kohen, give to the priest. It, 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 there is a connection. It's not that there's isolation, they don't talk to each other. There's a connection. They serve each other, as it were, but they're not the same. Korach, as we've discussed this week, Korach wanted to remove all boundaries. Everyone's the same. That's not God's plan. Their pe- people are different, and yet there is the serving each other. The priests serve the people. The people serve, they don't serve the priests, but they support. And, and thus, they serve the needs, as it were, of the priests. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Uh, let's go in back into the text. Let's look at some, rash, some Rashis. Um, okay. <clears throat> Behold, I have given you with joy. Rashi says, Basimcha, with joy. As in behold, he is coming forth toward you, and when he sees you, he will rejoice in his heart. This may be compared to a king who gave a field to his friend, but did not write nor sign a deed, and did not record it in court. So imagine a person gives his friend land, but he did, doesn't take care of the paperwork. Then a person came and contested his ownership of the field. Somebody else said, well, it's mine. The king said to him, it seems that anyone may come and contest your rights. Behold, I will write and sign a deed for you and record it in court. Here too, since Korah came and made a claim against Aaron regarding the kuna, Scripture comes and gives him 24 gifts of kuna as an everlasting covenant of salt. This is why the section is placed here after the rebellion of Korah. Korah tried to um, claim that priesthood is not a thing, God doubles down and said, no, priesthood is a thing. In fact, I am validating it and signing it into the Torah. These are the benefits, these are the the roles, the responsibilities, and the benefits of the priesthood, including 24 24 24 gifts of the Kohen. Hey, Mark, great to see you. Um, Okay, distinction for greatness. Burning the sacrificial parts, the communal peace offering, which they returned to me, stolen property of a proselyte. Yeah, someone who steals prop- a property from someone who converts to Judaism, who then passes away and doesn't have family, is returned, that property is returned to the temple, and then what happens to it is that it goes to the Kohen. You shall eat in the holiest of places, Rashi says, it teaches us that sacrifice of the highest degree of holiness are to be eaten only in the courtyard and only by the male Kohanim. Okay, only male kohanim in the courtyard of the Mishkan or the temple. Everything else is eaten by the family of the kohen, wives, sons, daughters, etc., and um, and not only in the temple but also in Jerusalem, which is set aside for their gifts, um, separated from the thanksgiving offering, from the peace offering, from the Nazarite ram. All the wavings; these require wavings, and ritually clean. Okay, and those who are not though, and not those who are ritually unclean. Another interpretation, anyone ritually clean, including his wife. 
Oh, because it only mentions him, his son, and his daughters. How do we know his wife? I mentioned wife. How do we know wife? Some derive it from here. Um, the first referring to Truma Gedola, the Cohen's portion of the produce separated by the Israelites. Um, all the gifts of the holy offerings, because this passage is so cherished, it is generalized at the beginning, generalized at the end, and, and detailed in the middle. So there's a general commandment, give gifts to the Kohen at the beginning. There's a general commandment, give gifts to the Kohen at the end. And in the middle, it says details. The animals, the sacrifices, the gifts, the, the firstborn, etc. An eternal covenant of salt, what does that mean? He enacted a covenant with Aaron with an object that is wholesome and lasting and keeps other foodstuffs wholesome. So apparently there was some salt involved in this covenant. Uh, like a covenant made with salt that it should never spoil. Or maybe it's only like. I'm still not sure if there was any literal salt or figurative salt used in this covenant. Nonetheless, there was a covenant between God and the priests for all time that they should get the benefits uh, or benefits from the people uh, in, uh, I don't know, in return for their service on behalf of the people. Um, God said to Aaron, you shall have no portion among them, amongst the people, even in the spoils of war. So even when new property and, and stuff is gained in war, spoils of war, it does not get divided amongst the Kohanim. It gets divided amongst the others, uh, but not Kohanim, not priests. All right, verse number, uh, reading seven. Now we talk about the Levites. Mark, perfect timing. Now we talk about the Levites. So here are the gifts that are given to the Levites. And to the descendants of Levi, I have given all tithes of Israel as an inheritance. So we talked a moment ago about the gifts that the people gave to the priests. And here are the gifts that people give, that the people gave to the Levites. And we begin with the tithe, 10, uh, 10% in exchange for their service, which they perform the service of the Tent of Meeting. The children of Israel shall therefore no longer approach the Tent of Meeting, lest they bear sin and die. The Levites shall perform the service of the Tent of Meeting, and they will bear their iniquity. It is an eternal statute for your generations, but among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Once again, like the Kohen, the Levi does not inherit the land. The Levi does not have a portion of Israel. It's divided into 12 portions, not including Levi. I mean, they lived somewhere, but they didn't have the same type of division with land and work and farms, etc. They just had a place to live, but they didn't have um, the same type of land inheritance as did the rest of the tribes. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they shall set aside for the Lord as a gift, I have given to the Levites. Right, The tithes belong to the Levites as an inheritance. Thus I have said to them that they shall have no inheritance amongst the children of Israel. God says, basically, you don't need a farm I'm giving you the tithes. You'll have plenty of food, right? You'll have the food from the farmers. You don't need to be a farmer. That's the, that's the main idea here. Let's look at Rashi. Rashi, and they, the Levites, shall bear the iniquity of the Israelites, for it is their duty to warn outsiders against approaching them. Basically, the Levites and the Kohanim, as we read before, have, a, have an obligation to warn anyone who's a non-Kohan or Levi to not get too close to those areas that they are not allowed to pass. Um, which they set aside as a gift, Shruma, scripture calls it Shruma a gift until he separates a gift for the Kohanim from the tithes received by the Levites from an Israelite. Okay. Rabbi Ari, this seems harsh. What? Uh, where Rashi says, uh, uh, and they, the Levites, shall bear the iniquity of Israel. 
uh, for it's incumbent upon them to warn the aliens against approaching them. Yep. They have to be the ones to protect against an alien invasion. No, against any... Yeah, I mean, that's their job. Now you're asking, is that harsh? I don't know if it's harsh. If the Israelite steps beyond the border of where they're allowed to go, they die. That's also harsh. I'm saying it's harsh both ways, right? It's harsh on the Israelite side. It's harsh on the, uh, on the Levite side. Yeah, the Levite has a responsibility. That's literally part of the job. Is it harsh? Yeah, but stakes are high. High stakes. Super high stakes. This is like, um, you know, I don't know. High stakes. Straight up. I'm trying to think of a steak pun, but I can't. All right, verse 25. Verse 25. And now we get into the next level. The next level of gifts. Listen to this. this. You'll love this. Let me break everything down into three categories. Well, we've done two out of three. Category one, gifts that are given from the people to the Kohanim, to the priests. Gift two, category two is gifts given by the people to the Levites. Gift category three are gifts given by the Levites to the priests. You see that? The people gave the the priests, the people gave the Levites, and then the Levites in turn had to give some of their gifts to the priests. Some of the stuff that they got from the Israelites, they had in turn pass it forward to the priests, up the chain. Pyramid scheme, scheme. exactly. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Levites. Hey, Moses was a Levite. Speak to the Levites and tell them, when you take the tithe from the children of Israel, which I have given to you from them as your inheritance, right? when you get a tithe from the people, you shall in turn set aside from it a gift to the Lord, a tithe of a tithe. Aha. When you get from the people, you have to give some of it. You have to pay it forward. Your gift shall be considered for you as grain from the threshing floor and as produce of the vat. Now, they didn't have threshing floors and vats. They weren't farmers. But the stuff that you get from the threshing floor and from the vat, it's like it's coming from there directly. So so shall you too set aside a gift from the Lord from all the tithes you have taken. You take from the children of Israel and you shall give thereof the Lord's gift to Aaron the priest. Let me break this down very simply. Mark, we're going to use you as an example of a Levite because you are. So imagine me. I'm an Israelite. So imagine a Kohen. We'll call him, I don't know, we'll call him Yassel the Kohen, right? I need to give Truma. I have to give the firstborn, the Bechar. I have to give various things, part of the sacrifice. I have to give it to Yassel the Kohen. Mark, to you, I give the tithes, 10% of the crop, right, that comes in every year. I got to give a tithe to you. That's two categories. I have two gifts to give, and then you have one gift to give. From the 10% that you get, you have to in turn take a percentage, another tithe, and then you give that to the Kohen, to Aaron the priest. I mean, that's like the Kohanim in general. From all your gifts, this is referring to the Levites, from all your gifts, from all the Levites' gifts, you shall set aside every gift of the Lord from his choicest portion, that part of which, that part of it which is to be consecrated. Say to them, when you separate his choicest part, it shall be considered for the Levites as produce from the threshing floor and as produce from the vat. In other words, when you, Mark, give a portion of what you got to the Kohen, it's like you gave it from what you generated, even though that was also a gift but it, to you, but it's like you're giving away that which you produced. You and your household may eat it anywhere, for it is your wage for you in exchange for your service and attend the meeting. In other words, your gifts, you can eat anywhere because it's your wage. That's, that's how you eat. 
by, by through your work, serving and ministering on the behalf of the people in, this, in the tent of meeting. After you separate the choices part from it, you shall not bear any sin on account of it. In other words, once you, once you the Levite, Mark, once you give the gift to the Kohen, then it's kosher. But you shall not profane the sacred offerings of the children of Israel so that you should not die. If you don't give that gift, then you couldn't eat of it yourself. That makes sense? The Levite, without giving the... the, the it, by the way, this is called Trumas Meiser. The Truma from the Meiser. So Truma goes to the Kohen, Meiser goes to the Levi. Trumas Meiser means the Truma that's given from the Meiser. The Truma from the tithe. Okay, I hope this makes sense. Let's go to Rashi. Rashi from verse 25, let's see, verse 27... Your gift shall be considered for you as grain from the threshing floor. Your gift, separated from the tithe, is forbidden to outsiders and to richly unclean people, and they incur the death penalty, and if eaten unintentionally, um, and they're liable to pay an additional fifth, just as in the case of the gift set aside by the Israelites for the Kohanim, which is called the first grain from the threshing floor. Okay? Makes sense? In other words, the, the Levites' gift the Levite's gift is um, has to go to the Kohen. No one else allowed to touch it. Like the gifts of wine and oil taken from the vats. Produce, fullness, a term denoting ripening produce, which has grown to its full size, which is what was given to the Levites and in turn given to the priests. So shall you two set aside, just as the Israelites set aside a portion from their threshing floors and from their wine vats for the Kohanim, so shall you too set aside a portion from your ties for that is your inheritance. In other words, just like the people, uh, the farmers, set aside from their portion, you, the Levites, who get a gift, that's your portion, you have to give a, a piece of that to the priests. Again, pay it up the, uh, you know, pay it forward. I don't know, pay, um, keep it going up the, up the chain. Um, When you separate a choices part, after you've separated a gift from the ties, it shall be considered the remainder shall be for the Levites and, and uh, the remainder shall be for the Levites. Because once the Levites give uh, the, the portion to the Kohen, a portion to the Kohen, then the rest shall be for the Levites and contain no sanctity whatsoever. Now, it's not sacred, it's, it's just their food. As produce from the threshing floor for the Israelites. Right? Scripture tells us that it shall be considered to the Levites at the produce of the threshing floor. Just as that of the Israelites is non-sacred after the Truma gift has been set aside from it, so is that of the Levites also non-sacred. So just like when a person, when, a, when the regular farmer, you know, Joe Farmer, uh, or Israel Farmer, when he gives his Truma, his mice, or whatever it is, when he gives his gifts, after that the rest of his food is his to eat, whatever you want, the same thing is true with the Levite. The food that's given to the Levite, the, the gift to the Levite, the Levite in turn has to give some to the Kohen, and the rest is his. Does whatever he wants with it. Back inside. It's not holy, it's not, it's not temple, it's, it's, it's his. It's personal food. You and your, yes. This is interesting. Uh, in Rashi, which says, uh, and like the rightness of the vat, uh, Rashi says, the vat, it's the pit, which is in front of the wine press into which the wine descends. And he goes on, he says, any instance of the word, uh, what is called, yekeb means ground which has been dug. Similarly, when the prophet says excavations of the king, it means the oceans. It means the ocean. 
an excavation that the king of the world has dug. Interesting. Yeah. I guess now we have another euphemism for an ocean. God's excavation project, right? Yeah. You have the earth, and then you have deep holes in which water fills up. Okay? I guess we'll call that an ocean. Or they're man-made ones, right? We also do that. We call it Lake Lanier and right. other, such, other such places. Um, okay, here we go. Oh, here. Once the Levite gives a piece of the Kohen, at that point it belongs to the Levite, and the Levite can eat it anywhere, Rashi says, even in a cemetery. Wow. Rashi really killed, he killed it with that commentary. Um, all right, sorry. Anyway, even in a cemetery, he is permitted to eat it. Uh, after you separate the choices apart, you should not bear any sin. What does that mean? However, if you do not set aside a portion, you will bear a sin. In other words, if the Levite gets a gift from, you know, Israel farmer, if he gets his uh, miser, his tithe, and then he eats it without separating Shuma first for the Kohen, it's a sin, it's a problem. Um, so that, and do this so they shall not die. However, if you do profane it, you shall die. If it's not done correctly, that could bear capital sin. Okay, that takes us to the end of the Torah portion. Um, yeah, it ends with, you know, practical laws that were applicable back in the day. Truma and Meiser and Truma's Meiser, the gift to the priest, the gift to the Levite, the Levite's gift to the priest. One thing I want to mention is regarding the gift from the Levite to the priest, which tells us something powerful. Even someone who's on the receiving end of a gift should in turn give a gift to others. We find this paralleled in the laws of tzedakah, where the laws of tzedakah say that when you give tzedakah to support someone in need, you should give them enough for their need and enough for them to in turn give tzedakah to someone else in need. Understand what I just, I hope hope what I'm saying is clear. One should give enough tzedakah to someone in need that not only satisfies the need, but gives them a little bit extra to in turn give someone else in need. And the rabbi discussed this and he says, why? Why when you give tzedakah should you give a little bit extra so that they can give tzedakah? Give them what they need. Why do they have to also give tzedakah? And the rabbi said, because giving tzedakah is a need. It's not bonus, it's a need. Every, every human being needs the dignity of knowing that they made a difference in someone else's life. So now you have that opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. Give them the opportunity in turn to pay it forward and to, to, to give them what they need, i.e. the gift of giving. To give is a gift. To know that your gift, to know that your giving has benefited someone else, that is the greatest gift. I've told this story countless times. The legend is that it happened with, the Roth, with one of the Rothschilds where they asked him once, a woman asked him a, 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 um, a, um, like a, a, a very, um, I can't, what, what, what are the words here? A very prominent um, matron asked uh, Lord Baron Rothschild, how much are you worth? And he gave her, he thought for a moment and gave her a number. And she said to him, come on. We know, everyone knows that you have way more money than that. He said, the, the number that I gave you is the, is the number, is the, is the money that I've given away to good causes. He says, that's the only thing, not given away, given to good causes. That's the, the tzedakah. That's the only, that's the, those are the only assets that I own. Everything else can be taken away tomorrow. You know, things can change and, you know, poof, anything that I have could be taken away. The one thing that cannot be taken away is what I've given is the benefit that I've, the, 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 the positive change that I've created in the world through giving, through supporting, through tzedakah, etc., charitable causes. That's my, that's my true value. That's the story that's, that's told. And so what it means for us is like this. 
when we have an opportunity to give, we shouldn't take it lightly. An opportunity to give means that it's an opportunity to really not only help someone else, but to help ourselves. To help ourselves in the sense that it gives us a deep sense of, of, of not just value, but a deep, deep sense of accomplishment. That here is something that I've accomplished. Here's something that I've built. Here's another person that I've helped that can never, that can never be taken away from me. And so when you give tzedakah, when you give literally money to someone in need, to someone who is impoverished, right? When you literally support someone impoverished, the mitzvah is to give them a little extra, more than what they need for themselves, for them to then in turn give to someone else, which is a need for them. Because everyone needs to be a giver. The Rebbe explained this in the context of God. God, we're creating the image of God. God is not a taker, God's a giver. As beings created in the image of God, we need to be givers. We have a need to give. So, two resolutions. Number one, let's give. Let's give to those in need. Let's give to good causes. Let's give because that's where humanity lies. Number one. Number two, when we think about how best to support someone else in tzedakah, let's remember the greatest way is to enable them not just to be a recipient, but to help them also in turn become a giver. That's the greatest form of influence. To not create, not to not um, sustain the need of the other by only fulfilling the need and then they need more, but by giving them enough to become a giver in turn, which is why, of course, Maimonides says the highest form of giving is giving someone a job, etc., in which case they can support themselves and, and, and then in turn give tzedakah to others. All right, so that, that again is alluded to the fact that the Levites who are recipients in turn become givers because in life, it's important to be givers. I, what about the Kohanim? Who do they give to? I don't know. I guess they give to God. But the point is that we all should give because giving is living. All right. That's it for this week. Yeah. Rabbi, I Mark. have a question before sure. you go. Why does Rashi say the Levites have to give 12%? You know, I skipped the one with the numbers, with the math. It says that the Levites go before the Kohen to get their time. Um, in which case you're taking the best of the best. They have to take one fiftieth of what they took. Well, that's two percent on top of the tip. That makes it twelve percent. Is it? He says that if a Levite went ahead of the Kohen at the heap of harvest grain and received his tithes before the Kohen would take grapes ruler from the heap, the Levite must first separate from the tithe one part in fifty. That's two percent for grapes ruler. And go back and separate room of the tribe. That's a ten percent. So, I guess there well, were I guess there were two layers of truma. Don't worry, Mark. The good news is you still got eighty-eight percent. That's the good news. Eighty-eight <laughs> percent, and you didn't have to get your hands dirty. You didn't have to. You didn't have to plow the earth. That's the good news. You got to sing, right? And you got to tell people don't get too close. Not a bad gig. You I got to teachers don't let the coins go first. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Let the Kohanim go first. You get 12, you get 88. It's still a big number. 88, back to the future, right? It's like, psh, take, takes us back in time. All right, my friends, have a wonderful Shabbos. Don't forget the lessons this week. The main lesson is 
respect the boundaries of creation, respect the boundaries that Hashem has given us, recognize the power of giving, and as always, be a mensch. All right, good Shabbos, everyone. Special Shabbos this week, of course, Gimel Tamas. We have a dinner and Fabrengen and Kiddush and Fabrengen tonight and tomorrow with Rabbi Tzvi Freeman uh, from the holy city of Sandy Springs, who will be joining us. Uh, also from Chabad and Cyberspace. He's the chief editor, editor-in-chief of Chabad.org. So that's happening tonight as well as tomorrow. Join us for both or for either. If you're around, we'd love to have you. All right. Good Shabbos, everyone. Take care. And we'll see you. you. Oh, Monday, I mentioned yesterday. Monday, I'll I'll, please God be flying back from New York. I'm leaving Sunday morning. So um, we're back on Tuesday as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, let's plan for Tuesday for next week. All right. We'll see you. Good Shabbos, everyone. Mark, Sarah, Ray. Take care, everybody. Shabbos, everyone. Shabbos. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find us online at IntownJewishAcademy.org and on YouTube at IntownJewishAcademy. New episodes of the podcast come out a few times a week. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. It means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.